You're listening to the Believe in Giants podcast with Giants legend Carl Banks and broadcaster Bob Papa. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants along with Carl Banks. Bob Papa here getting you set for the Giants and the Raiders at MetLife Stadium on Sunday. One o'clock Eastern and uh, Carl, short week for the Giants. They had to deal with a lot of crap as far as the false positive tests, as far as COVID, virtual meetings. Fortunately, uh, for the most part, everyone is okay. Running backs coach obviously continued to test positive, so we wish him well. But, um, you know, this team has got to deal with the punches on a short week, and they got a really good Raiders team that they've got to deal with on Sunday. They do, Bob. And, you know, the big question I have is can they rebound emotionally because they poured so much into that game against uh, Monday night game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the first thing I'm going to look for is if they are um, into it emotionally, because teams can have a letdown when they fight really hard and yet uh, suffers a defeat. I think, I think, I think that <laughs> this is a resilient team. And uh, they are, you got a defense that's, that's building on one performance after the other. So uh, I'm going to look to see if they come out. They will set the tone for this entire team. Now, uh, this is a different opponent, different style of opponent, a style of opponent that's made for the traditional core defense of the Giants. They're 3-4 with their... Uh, bigger linebackers with Raglan and McKinney in there. Um, but it won't make it any easier because this is more of a heavyweight fight. Um, their opponent, this opponent will be right in front of them um, every single round. They're going to be, they're going to line up and they're just going to try to punch you out. Um, yes, they can pass the football and, and Derek Carr can do some things with his legs, but this is more of a traditional heavyweight. Um they're going to know where they are. There's going to be some two tight end stuff. It's going to be, you know, Waller get, Waller will move around as a wide receiver a little bit, but you're, you're going to get what you get. And then defensively, um, they're going to try to disrupt your offensive line, not unlike every opponent that the Giants have faced because they know that um, the Giants are um, kind of a revolving door in the offensive line. And there are some things they can't do. So they're going to look to exploit that. The Giants can help themselves there. But I just, you know, I think it's up to this defense to set the tone, lead the way yet again. I think they're made for it. They're built for it. Their best players are starting to play their best football. Um, and that's important. So that is the mark of uh, consistency that I'm looking for. Now, as this game goes on, we know what the formula is for the giant, no matter what the opponent is, is don't let the opponent within defeat you. Um, take care of the little things. Um, finish the mission. Um, and, and, and that's what it really comes down. This team right now, it's the opponent within that's defeating him more so than the opponent across the line of scrimmage. Well, you mentioned pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Max Crosby leads the NFL with 61 quarterback hits. It's 2.7 a game. Miles Garrett of the Browns averages 2.5. And according to Next Gen Stats, Yannick Ngakwe 
leads the NFL in quarterback hurries with 28. So they're going to get pressure on you. Um, now, what the Giants have to do when they get in the red zone, not kick field goals, right? I mean, Correct. they did a decent job last week. They got a couple touchdowns in the red zone. Two out of the three times they were there, they were got touchdowns, which is why they're no longer last in the NFL in red zone offense. They're 31st now. They moved up a pop. Uh, but the Raiders stink in red zone defense. They're tied for last. They give up touchdowns at 83%. So you got to kind of match them with that. And you can't let them get right, Carl. You always talk about that. They're not running the ball the way they want to run the ball. Um, they're averaging 85 yards a game rushing, 3.5 a carry, which is 31st. And they're second in the NFL in passing yards per game. And Carl, they're going to take deep shots. Yeah. Uh, Derek Carr has uh, he's second in the NFL in, in balls that travel over 20 yards as far as uh, completions this year. So I don't know. You talk about emotion, right? So you got the Raiders' emotions of coming off a bye, and then you had the unfortunate situation with their wide receiver Henry Ruggs this week, which um, our condolences go out. Uh, to the family of the victim. Uh, I don't think the rugs thing though, is a distraction for this team in the sense that it happened early in the week. NFL players by nature, although they may feel bad for their teammate, mm -hmm. it's not like it's a divisive situation where you have an issue that could potentially split a locker room. I think everybody's on board with, they feel bad for their teammate. They feel bad for their victim for the victim. But they also mean it also for players, it means, okay, I'm going to get more snaps than I normally would. Let's go win this football game. So there are a few things. Um, the only adjustment that the Raiders make to this rug situation is the same adjustment they would make is if he were injured, he's just not available to them. He won't be available to them. So uh, it's the next guy on the roster, whoever they um, think that that will be. Um, I Tay Jones will get his chance. He's a yeah. speed guy. <laughs> so the Giants have to prepare for the next guy on the depth chart. What they will miss, just like any other team, when you have your best player not available to you, is whatever talent uh, or skill set that that player brought to your offense. You got to make that adjustment, right? Um, so that's that, um, they've, if you want to talk about resilience, they have shown no effects of losing John Gruden. They've rallied. They've been, um, very enthusiastic about their new coach, their new approach. The question is whether they have an emotional, um, settling in, if you will, um, because everybody is, you know, they're riding high and they should be. They're playing good football. And so those are things that the Raiders will or will not deal with in this game. Trying to run the football against a team that's starting to play much better against the run. Now, uh, I want to go back to the, the Crosby thing. And I'm going to say this. It's going to sound weird. Um, but it's not a – it's not a – statement of disrespect to Crosby it's actually a statement of like 
compliment. It's, but Crosby, when you cut on the film, he doesn't do anything special. Like, and when I say that, there's no signature move. There's no spin. There's no, he is I mean, what he, he is. Yeah, like, like Dwight Freeney had that signature spin move. Yeah, and, or and Aaron Donald has, can, you know, it's really quick. He can, you know, Crosby does nothing signature. And I want to say special. Let me say he, had, he, does, he has no signature to anything he does other than leaving his imprint on the quarterback. So as an offensive lineman, you're looking for something from a guy who's giving you a steady dose of great effort. He does have a really good skill set because he's very long. He's a strider, but there's just that you're, you're, if you're sitting back waiting for him to make this move, he's probably by you and he's hit your quarterback. And he does it in a variety of ways. So it's just not like he had, and when I say special, um, nothing special about him, I guess I should use a better term as there's no signature to yeah, what there he There you does. go, signature. There's no signature to what he does. He just does everything within their scheme effectively, and he does it well. And, you know, he's got a lot of tools in his toolbox, and he just uses the appropriate one at the appropriate time. So if you're a tackle, there's not one thing you have to prepare for. With Crosby, you got to prepare for everything. Um, because at the appropriate time, he's going to use it. He's not, you know, he's not a flashy guy, but he can do everything he needs to do. There's a ghost over your shoulder named Max. Max. Hello, Max. Max, say hi to everybody. Give everybody a hello. Hi. No, no, no. You're supposed to say hello. Hello. He's getting ready to go to baseball, indoor baseball. It's football. It's football season and it's baseball. He got to just put his hat on, too. Yeah, he's got the hat on. Judge walking out the door. All right. So finish, go ahead with your point. It was so, a good interruption. <laughs> so when it comes to Crosby, he can put more pressure across your line than a guy who has that signature type of, of style of play because he just does so many things well, so many things effectively. Um, and then on the offensive side of all, they're struggling to run. Um, and what I, the one thing you have to know about the Oakland Raiders, if it's an ugly game, they're very good at winning bad football. Yeah, especially early in the year. That was, yeah, they just that was a great a line that you bad. had. Yeah. They're very good at winning bad football games. If there's bad football being played, they figured out how to win those games, you know, with a shot play here, a shot play there. Um, so <clears throat> they have a resilient quarterback also. You know, he's been battle tested. He's been ridiculed. He's been, you know, uh, performed poorly at times and looks like, you know, a world beater the next. So he's a battle tested quarterback. The Raiders are a team that, well, like I said, you're going to know what they are. They're going to be right in front of you, and it's going to be a slugfest. you got to play it on your terms. All right. Uh, I want to remind fans, head to the all-new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus. It's back. It's better than ever. Basketball's underway. Hockey's underway. 
Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. This weekend, you got college football all over the place. Carl's uh, Michigan State squad coming off that huge win last week. Talk uh, about a trap game. This could be a trap game. They got to stay focused. Are they playing this week? Purdue. 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 Are they a bunch of chickens? Uh, no, they're not. They're anything but chickens. All right. Well, I wish you nothing but the best uh, for your squad. Bet online where the game starts again. Activate that promo code believe B L E A V 50 to receive your bonus. 50% welcome bonuses coming your way. Carl, um, you look at this game. Let's go. Uh, I got, I got a little nugget here on the Raiders, which I'll save for a little later in the show here, but let's go to the giants perspective here. Um, you know, I was thinking about it, you know, Let's think about memories. You know, the, the Giants only play the Raiders teams from the AFC once every four years. As I was doing my research this week and my prep for the game, I'm like, ah, oh, last time the Giants played the Raiders. Oh, yeah, back in 2017, they were still in Oakland. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me. That was the game in which Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese ended Eli Manning's streak yeah. as a starting quarterback. I kind of, like, forgot all about it. And it took me back. It took me back to a place, you know, like uh, I'm doing these uh, broadcast memories for the Giants media platforms, looking back at some of the Raiders games. And uh, obviously that one wasn't included, but you and I can talk about it because that was a shit show that week with the way the whole thing was handled. Uh, it ultimately led to the firing of Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese for the way the thing was completely mishandled with Eli. But remember how crazy that was? Yeah, I was beside myself. I, I remember the, the, the entire fiasco, and I, I just, it was inexplicable um, what happened, the, the lack of dignity that was in grace that was given to Eli Manning. And it's, you know, we're not talking about a guy, whatever his performance was, it was, you knew that the guy on the other, the, the guy behind him was not going to do a good job. It wasn't like he was pressing Eli Manning for that starting job as Eli's um, skill set was declining. He wasn't declining by the week, you know, um, he had plateaued Eli Manning. It was going to be what he was going to be. Um, but he was going to give you your best chance to win a football game. And that decision I thought was very selfish. I don't know if it was driven by Ben McAdoo's uh, ability to try to put his, his guy in or his style of quarterback that he wanted uh, in his offense, or was it Jerry Reese ready, you know, just saying, I'm going to turn the page. Uh, in the middle of the season, by the way, um, they had no receivers. Their offensive line wasn't very good, but yet you thought a change of quarterback would be the answer. Well, if you remember, now that all the uh, parties involved are gone, if you remember, Carl, they wanted to, they wanted to give Geno Smith the job in the summer that year mm -hmm. 
And the thing that I didn't understand about it was Eli was coming off, um, you know, Coughlin's last year when McAdoo was the OC in 15. Eli threw for 4,400 yards with 35 touchdowns, a career-high 35 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Then McAdoo gets the job in 16. They go 11-5. and five. He throws for 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. Okay, it wasn't great. Wasn't great numbers, <clears throat> but remember McAdoo to his credit privately thought that if somehow Patrick Mahomes dropped in the draft, that the Giants should go get him. He was big on Mahomes. He was a, he was a big believer in Patrick Mahomes skill set and how it translated to the NFL. Didn't work out that way. Uh, but he was a guy that was pushing hard for Mahomes if there was any way the Giants could go get him. So it, he was thinking what he needed for his offense to run. And Jerry Reese was thinking, man, this offensive line that we've retooled hasn't been fixed. We better get a quarterback in there that can run. And suddenly Eli became a scapegoat and all that. Yeah. And then there was also um, this, this, I know, for some in the front office at that time, they were very high on the style of Lamar Jackson. And um, they thought Lamar Jackson's style of uh, quarterbacking would be the answer for the Giants. Now, obviously, Lamar Jackson isn't for everybody. Like, you've got to have a certain type of, of um, number one, you got to have a certain type of offensive line, which the Giants, if they would have brought him in, would not have anything remotely close to what Jackson's plan behind now in terms of the ability to run. Um, and then the Patrick Mahomes thing, again, you've got to have the right play callers. You got to have the right um, tools around these, these kids. Like, you know, there's no disputing what either of those quarterbacks are, but the question you have to ask, did they even have an infrastructure conducive to those guys having success within the system? Um, It is what it is in hindsight, uh, but if they wanted to move on from Eli that summer and Geno Smith couldn't beat him out, there's a reason why. Simple as that. If you had a, if you had a head coach who says, I need, I, I need to you know, do something different, but the something different couldn't beat him out, um, there's a reason why. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I kind of I kind of went through this already, so I'm not going to talk about some of those reasons. And um, and I'm happy hmm. to see uh, Geno where's Smith. My, where's my playbook? Yeah, well, I'm happy to see Geno Smith in um, Seattle, um, operating at this stage of his career, looking confident um, and doing some good things for them. So I mean, it was just such a shit show in the sense that, well, Eli's going to start. They're trying to placate him to keep his streak alive, yeah. which he was adamant about not doing. Like, ah, I'm not. So if That's I'm in the right place, yeah, if we're up 17 to three at the half, you're going to take me out. And it's not even like they were taking him out to put in the young guy. Yeah. They were taking him out to put Geno Smith in. Like, what What was the point? Anyway, I got off track there, but that kind of reminded me of this, that when I was getting ready to play this prep for this game. So let's go from the Giants perspective here, Carl. Um, another week without Saquon Barkley, um, 
life with Saquon Barkley is dealing with life a lot of times without Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the numbers are the numbers. As talented a player as he is, availability is a factor. Freak injury um, with the way he got hurt in Dallas. But the end of the game, the, the, the end of the story of all this is he's not playing again this week. Shepard's out again. Now, it looks like they're going to have Galladay back. Kadarius Tony's thumb is okay. Uh, I give him credit for this. They're pretty deep at the skill positions where you can be missing guys and still the group that they're rolling out there this week is pretty nice. That's a good job um, by the personnel group, group of people and, and just stacking a, de- stacking a position group that's a, um, a primary group in the NFL. Um, if you have to live with healthy running backs and no tight ends, it's probably going to be tough sledding in today's NFL. Um, obviously, Saquon Barkley changes the dynamic of any offense when he's on the field. But the reality is, if you've got skill position players, it gives your offensive play caller, meaning skill position, meaning tight ends and, and wide receivers, that get, that can have impact plays. It gives your play caller a little more, a lot more latitude in what he does, as opposed to having a, an entire receiver group out and just have to deal with running backs. So um, the fact that they have this depth and they have talent in that depth um, is a good thing. And that's a good thing that that uh, Dave Gellman and crew did in terms of, of stacking this. Now, you, you hope after this week, everybody comes back healthy and stays healthy. Um, it, it is unfortunate with um, Saquon Barkley, but there's nothing he can do about it uh, or nothing the Giants can do about it. He's going to be available when he's available. And then, you know, the injury thing, it's, it's sometimes it's just just bad luck, you know. So I'm, I'm not – I don't want to be the guy who piles on and says, well, you know, they shouldn't have taken a running back because he's always hurt or they shouldn't have taken him this high because he's always hurt. He's a difference maker. Um, and it's unfortunate that he got hurt, but uh, let's see what happens when he comes back. And let's, you know, and let's hope um, for the Giants' sake that he stays healthy and for his sake, because he is such a, such a dynamic player and he's been unlucky uh, with these injuries. You know, it's, it's, it's just stuff. Well, it, it kind of it circles back to what their biggest problem is. It'll be their biggest problem in the game tomorrow. And it's been their biggest problem really all season long is their inability to put together an offensive line that wins. Okay. And I know Gates, their starting center got hurt. I know Lemieux got hurt in in camp. That matters. That matters, but it's not like, it's not like Sean O'Hara and Chris Snee got hurt. Like they both guys were like unknowns. All right? Yeah, but they I mean, were they were trending forward. So with so if you have and this is you know this is not an excuse, but I like to think, which we will never know until they're all on the field together. But with Lemieux, Gates, and Thomas, three or five offensive linemen would have been a lot more consistent 
than what they're dealing with right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to talk about how much more improved the Giants are, even though I think those guys would improve your offensive line. But the one thing it would give you is a hell of a lot more consistency in play, and you know how you can call your your offense. So, um, but again, it's the NFL. Everybody's dealing with injuries. What you have has to play better. I thought against Kansas City, they were very resourceful. And I thought that, um, again, they gave themselves a chance to win, and they the enemy within is the one that uh, that struck them down so that they have to get beyond and um, finish the mission. Yeah. And the, and the thing that they, you know, the thing that I guess has me concerned or disappointed both maybe is the fact that like they can't run the ball with any kind of consistency um, and force. If you, I mean, the chiefs were not a good run defense. They got bottled up too much on run plays. Um, look, they're playing a Raiders team that I'll give you the numbers here. Uh, defensively, I mean, the Raiders are 29th against the run. You know, make them make them be 29th against the run this week. Yeah, and make them be the bad red area team that they are. So as we talk about the Giants being a consistent run team, it's, are you attempting to run it consistently? It may not yield the yards that you need, Bob, but also you cannot sub subtract from the equation the yards that the quarterback gets because that's his skill set and that's a runner when he uh, chooses to do that or when they call a play for him. So, yeah, Booker and crew, you would like to see more from them, but they're a product of, you know, what's available in terms of, of, of blocking and the holes that they create. But you combine that with attempts times a quarterback who also moves the chains for you with his legs, that's a run game. It's an unconventional run game, but nobody complains if uh, Lamar, Lamar Jackson gets 150 of the 200 yards they have rushing. It's just yeah, gotta, effective. You have to be effective running the ball, however you can do it. And they got to do, they got to be, they got to be, hey, look, this O-line quarterback decision-making, I don't know what his first or second read is on some of these calls by the offensive coordinator. Um, I don't know what the route calls for and what's being run. Clearly the, the, the short third down route that they threw to Shepard, clearly you could see Garrett and, and Jones on the sideline kind of, you know, getting into it with Shepard about the depth that he ran on that speed out, which was short of the first down. The thing is like this year, they've spent so much of the season going into last week's game of their 93 third down attempts, a whopping 37 of them were attempts of nine plus. So here you play in a game against Kansas city and you only had three nine pluses out of your 12 third down attempts but you didn't hit the third and mediums like, and I don't know if that's route combination. I don't know. It's pro. You know what? It's probably everything. That's it's why they are where they are because it is everything probably is everything, but they got it. They have to be better in these situations. 
And then, um, look, I thought Daniel Jones played a pretty good game last week. But the big but I'm going to throw in there is, like, you get a Julian Love interception in the end zone and you got momentum going your way and you got the Chiefs fans all nervous, you can't throw that interception that he threw early in the game. Like, yeah. this cat can't happen. It you can't happen. Three. But the good news is they recovered in that it was early in the game instead of late in the game. Because late yeah. in the game would have been the Darnay Holmes interception against Mahomes, but the Giants jumped off sides. So, all right. Well, uh, we're going to wrap it up here. You got any uh, final thoughts that you want to get in? Or you no, just finish the mission. That's what the Giants have to do. Finish, do whatever they need to do, finish the mission. All right. And I'm going to give you just a little fun fact from my preparation uh, that I came up with this week from a ra the Raiders this year coming off the bye, or uh, the Raiders are coming off their bye, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's a, a harbinger of things to come or a good omen for the Giants. But since 2017, the Raiders are 0 4 coming off the bye. With a minus 82 point differential, they've lost by 14 or more points in each of those four games coming off the bye. And they've given up at least 25 points in two of those four games. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, they got to play the game. The Giants have to play it in order to win it. They've got to do their part. All right, listen, everybody. Um, I'm going to give it to you one more time because – Bet Online is the number one spot for basketball, football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website. Sign up today. Receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus. Carl, what do we say? Tell a friend to tell a friend. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend we'll give you a recap of the Raiders coming up uh early next week or this week whatever the heck it is uh here on the Believe Podcast Network you've been watching Believe in Giants with Carl Banks and yours truly Bob Papa. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.